For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go ahead and check out EthosFantasyBB. All of our fantasy baseball content will be released over there throughout these next couple of months and heading into next year as well. And we've already started. I mean, my podcasts go out on there every single day. But Stephen Bagel has been doing an article series previewing rosters for next year. He is projecting every player down like from top to bottom, first player in the lineup down to the last man in the rotation with write-ups. Uh, he's done a really great job. Uh, all the National League pieces have been released now. You can find them at sportsethos.com, also at ethosfantasybb. That is where I really would like you guys to go ahead and follow Uh, You're never going to miss out on any of our great stuff. And we've brought on a ton of content creators. We are still bringing people on, by the way, if you're interested in getting into fantasy sports, not just baseball, uh, basketball, football, hockey, whatever it is you're into. But we're still bringing people on here in the baseball side. Reach out. You can be one of these great people who will be putting content out there over the next couple of months and, of course, next year as well. Today, we are going to continue looking at starting pitchers from 2022. We're going to talk about what they did this year, where they were being drafted, where they're being drafted in early drafts so far this year, and what I generally think about these guys. And the first player we're going to talk about today is Tyler Anderson. Now, he's not somebody that you'd think would come up in even one of the first couple of videos that you do or a podcast talking about elite pitchers, Uh, but he had a 257 ERA this year. He went 15 and 5. He was fantastic. Now, heading into the season, he was not expected to do very well. I mean, you can't have terribly high expectations given what he's done in his career so far. Uh, ERA is over four pretty much every single year and sometimes even higher, uh, excluding his rookie year where he was actually not too bad, 354 ERA. But every other year uh, was pretty terrible for Tyler Anderson. Going into the season, his ADP over on Yahoo, 185.5. He ended up finishing as the 45th ranked player on the site. Incredible value if you were able to grab him. Some people, depending on your league size, maybe you just picked him up off waivers. Now, heading into this season, his ADP, or heading into next season, I should say, uh, his ADP is 253. Now, a big part of this is because he signed with the Angels. If he went back to the Dodgers, I would expect that it would be a little bit higher. Now, I can't remember what it was before he signed uh, and afterwards, uh, but I, I think that it's going to generally stay in this kind of range. Uh, people are not expecting this to repeat. And it's hard to say, really. Like, I wouldn't necessarily uh, expect him to have a great year. You know, he's not going to do a 257 ERA, I don't think. But he might not have a terrible year. Now, he doesn't have the Dodgers and their great pitching coaches and their great like pitching organizational mentalities and everything else that goes along with it. Like every pitcher that comes out of the Dodgers organization is fantastic. And guys go in there. Uh, You know, we were talking about great pitching organizations yesterday. Uh, We were talking about the Guardians and San Francisco. The Dodgers are there as well. 
Uh, and you can just see the evidence is right there with, with a guy like uh, Tyler Anderson. Now, will he carry over the things that he learned this year into next season? It's possible. Uh, he's never been a huge strikeout guy, so he doesn't have that working for him. His control was really good this year. Uh, he got the walk rate under 5%, and it's been progressively going down these last few years. From 2019, it was 10.4% down to 9.6%, and then down to 5.4%, and now 4.8%. I'm a little bit skeptical still, but I think at the price, it's not bad. Uh, I think we could see him maybe continue to use that changeup more like he did this year. And it was a really good pitch for him. I think that he could have uh, some success if he continues to use that. Now, I don't think that he'll be a top 50 player again. I think that's like a miracle year for him. But he can have some value uh, around pick 250. There's really no harm in it uh, going over all the pitchers who are going in that range. It's not anything really that great. There are a couple of not bad options, honestly. Uh, But if you get to that range... Tyler Anderson is not a bad guy to take a shot on. The 97th pitcher overall going off the board. And honestly, this is not a bad range. I haven't gone so deep uh, looking so far down uh, strictly at ADP stuff. I've mostly been looking at 2022 results. I haven't gotten so far in these. Now, I did that one draft, but we've only done 23 rounds. Uh, But just as a side note, we got Tyler Anderson, Alex Cobb, Eric Lauer, Merrill Kelly, uh, Kodai Senga, Michael Kopak. It's not a bad little range here between about 250 uh, and 260 in drafts. Just something to keep an eye on there. Uh, but Tyler Anderson, I think that he's not a terrible pick, but you shouldn't have any really high expectations going into next year. Maybe have limited uh, optimism, maybe that he can give you like a 3-7 ERA, a 3-6 ERA, continue to have his decent control. You know, if he walks around 5% of batters again, it doesn't matter so much if he's only striking out 20%. He's not a bad pick uh, in that range. Next up, we have Aaron Nola. Now, I'm a big Aaron Nola guy. Uh, His ADP heading into the year was 45. He finished as the 48th overall player on Yahoo, and his ADP heading into next year right now is 38. I think that's pretty fair, considering what you're going to get out of Aaron Nola. Take him somewhere in the third round. And I know I've generally been using 15-team numbers when I say rounds here. I tend to like using numbers more, but all the drafts going on right now are 15-teamers. If you're talking 12-teamers and you're getting him in the fourth round, I think that's a really good bargain. But even in a 15-teamer, if you're getting him somewhere probably in the middle of your third round, I think that you're going to do all right. Uh, He's giving you a lot of innings every single year. And granted, you know, I've prefaced that statement a lot in terms of innings and games played with it doesn't necessarily stick just because you're healthy one year. doesn't mean you're going to be healthy the next year, but he's given you consistently close to 200 innings going back to 2018 and even 2017, 168 innings. Uh, He's out there pretty much every single time and he's given you great production. Now, last year, 2021 was a bit of a down year for him a 4.63 ERA, but the indicators for him were still good. 3.35 xERA, 3.37 FIP, 3.37 xFIP. They were all exactly the same pretty much. Uh Sierra was 3.26 last year. Now this year, again, uh his indicators were a lot lower than what he actually did. 3.25 ERA, which was a huge improvement, but all the indicators were below 3. 2.74, 2.58, 2.77 and 280 for the Sierra. Like he's he's really really great pitcher. Uh he was the second lead or he was second, I should say, uh, in terms of walk rate. Only Corey Kluber and I'm going by guys who pitched at least 130 innings this year. This is not technically just qualified starters. I think maybe if you did qualified starters he'd lead uh but 3.6 walk percentage, 29.1 strikeout percentage for Aaron Nola. 
pitching for a very good team, which is definitely something that comes into play. And I didn't really mention it with Tyler Anderson, but going from a team like the Dodgers to the Angels is not going to be great for your wins, as as volatile as those stats are. Uh, you're setting yourself up behind the eight ball in terms of going to that team. Now, there's a lot of talk of maybe they're going to be better. Who knows if they're going to be better? Uh, we know the Phillies are pretty good already. So, obviously, two pitchers in a different class, although Anderson was just about as good this past year. Uh, you can maybe even argue better. Uh, Nola has that security around him of playing for a really good team. Not that it translated so much this year because he had a losing record, but overall, I mean, 11 and 13, it was, it was crazy to have a losing record uh, and still be like in Cy Young contention, 235 Ks. But generally, you're playing for a good team. You're going to win more games more often. He's given you 17 wins in 2018, a couple of 12 win seasons. Not the highest of numbers, but you get a little bit more security uh, with guys who are pitching for better teams. So Aaron Nola, uh, I still really like him here around pick 38. We talked yesterday about how you can wait on pitchers, so there's not really anybody in a specific range in these first couple of rounds where I'm going to say you have to take him. Like, this is a player that you absolutely have to be going for. There's not really any pitcher like that in the first couple of rounds, but if you get to this point, uh, you want to take Aaron Nola. Even as your SP1, I think that you're, you're in good shape. Clayton Kershaw is the next guy here. Now, his ADP was 102.5 heading into the season over on Yahoo. He finished at 49. Really good value if you were able to take him. There's always this worry now, it seems, or there has been for the last couple of years, about Kershaw, about how many innings he's going to give you. And granted, it is a bit of a concern. When you see that he pitched 121 innings in 2021, and then this year, 126. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's not a full year worth of production, but what he's given you has been very, very good. Uh, 2021, that was the highest ERA that he had had. Going back to his rookie year, it was 355 last year, and the indicators were lower. This year, he pitched the same amount of innings, just about five more innings, but a 228 ERA, 251 XERA, 257 FIP, everything below three. Clayton Kershaw is still a stud. 27.8 strikeout percentage, 4.7 walk percentage. Always been great with control. And another thing that benefits him as he ages is he's not somebody who really relies on speed. Even in the like the height of his prime, you know, those early or mid like 2010 kind of range in, in those early years where he was really starting to dominate, starting from around 2009, I guess, uh, he threw a lot of fastballs and he didn't even throw them that hard. 94, 95 was what he was topping out at. Maybe he got a little bit higher on occasion, but on average, 94 with the fastball, 95 with the fastball. Now he's only throwing 91 with the fastball. But a thing with him that's interesting, as he's gotten older, is he throws the fastball less. He's thrown only 40% fastballs this last year after throwing 36% in 2021. Uh, just to contrast that, the early years of his career, 2008, 2009, 2010, all over 70% fastballs. He's gotten older. He is more of a finesse pitcher. He's always gotten by on his nasty curveball. It might not be what it once was, but he's gotten by on using that pitch and using a lot more sliders, and it's paid off for him. So where he's going in drafts at 141, I think that you're baking in the risk and the, you know, the assumption that you're going to miss some time. Uh, he's probably not going to go out there and throw you 170 innings. Even 150 innings, Like I think that would be probably best-case scenario. Uh, I wonder what Steamer hasn't projected for. 163. It feels a little bit optimistic, but Steamer also thinks he'll have a 351 ERA. So I don't know what they're basing that on. 
Again, I'm not a huge... I love looking at projections. I don't know what goes into them per se, but I, I think with Clayton Kershaw, as long as he's out there, you're going to be pretty all right. He's going to be 35 years old, but I think he still falls into that kind of category. Like we've talked about each of the last two days with Verlander and Scherzer of if he's not going to go out there and give you elite production, he's not going to go out there. Uh, if he doesn't feel that he is 100%, that he is still Clayton Kershaw, maybe he's not prime Clayton Kershaw anymore, but, I mean, he just gave you a 228 ERA. So he's still very good. He's still very confident. I don't think that he would go out there if he is not feeling that he can go out there and give you 100%. So with Clayton Kershaw, you're getting to pick 141. That's pretty low considering what he can give you. Not that he necessarily is going to give it to you in bulk so much, but on a per-inning basis, he's the 57th pitcher off the board this year. That's factoring in relievers, and it's factoring in starters as well. Uh, but I used the example earlier today on Twitter of Hunter Green. <clears throat> Hunter Green is going like 25 picks ahead of him. Uh, you know, I just I don't understand it. I would I would rather take Kershaw. We've seen him do it. He's an older guy, sure. He's not going to give you the craziest high strikeout numbers, but they're still really good above league average strikeout numbers. So I, I love Clayton Kershaw in this range. To be honest with you, I think I don't know if I'm going to take him in a like a lot of drafts because there is still some risk, but I'm going to sprinkle in some Kershaw here where I can. I think it's a really good price for him. Round 9, round 10 of a 15-teamer. Uh, I think that that's, that's really fair. Next guy we're going to talk about is Spencer Strider. I'm still sour that I lost my Rookie of the Year bet because, well, I bet on Spencer Strider, and I was, I was holding on. I could have cashed out a few different times. Uh, I think I could have gotten... I don't know. I bet the initial bet was 20 bucks. I could have cashed out for, I think, 130 or something like that. And I got him at like plus 13 or plus 1300 or something like that. The bet would have paid out 260. Uh, I held on thinking I would win and I didn't. Unfortunate. I did hedge a little bit. I got some Michael Harris on the side. But I'm still a little bit, uh, a little bit disappointed there. But in terms of what he did for you uh, this season, first of all, he wasn't even being drafted in most cases. He was only going in the deepest of leagues. So wherever you got him, it was a total bargain. Likely he was just a free agent pickup. Maybe if you're in a draft champions, uh, you took him very late. But mostly he was a free agent pickup. He finished as the 50th player over on Yahoo without an ADP. That's one of the most incredible jumps uh, you, you've seen in a while. Now his ADP heading into next year, a little expensive at pick 35. But when you dive into the stats, you can understand why it would be up there. Uh, he had like a record-setting year. He struck out more than 200 batters, and I think he was the first guy to throw like less than 140 innings and have those kind of strikeout numbers. I think it was since Chris Sale. I think his numbers were more impressive than Chris Sale, but it was a feat that hadn't been accomplished even, I don't think ever, but the closest was uh, Chris Sale. That was the closest comp. He gave you a 267 ERA, 202 strikeouts. I mean, his walk rate was a little bit on the high side of normal, 8.5%, but... It's a small gripe to have with him. Uh, you're talking about a guy who gave you a 183 fielding independent pitching, which is not like he didn't qualify as a league leader. Uh, he only threw 131 innings, so he, he's not one of the qualified starters. But if you do look at all the qualified starters and what they gave you, that was the highest. If you can up down 130 innings partially for him, um, you know, mostly to look at him. And he's, he's well below all the other elite starters when it comes to uh, fielding independent pitching by like 40 points. I, I love Spencer Strider. I think that he is, he's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Most likely I'm just, I'm not so sold 
at the price that he's going this year. Like he was incredible value because we didn't have to pay anything for him this year, but now we have to pay up a third round pick. And just going back to that FIP number, like his was 183, the next best there. Uh, Rodon at 225, Gosman 238, Otani 240. Like he was ahead of those guys by 40, 50, 60 points each. Uh, he, he's, he's incredible, but the price is really expensive. And there is still a little bit of worry, I think, about his innings. Like is he going to give you 130 innings again? Likely, that's probably about the floor. But is it going to be two or is it going to be 150? Is it going to be 170? I think anything more is probably gravy, but I don't know that I love him at this price. I think we've talked about this a lot. Uh, I'm I'm more inclined to wait on pitching this year than take someone that early. I think my strategy for the most part is going to be take batters because as much as I love some of these guys, you can kind of make up the value as you go down the board a little bit. So ah, pick 35, it just feels a little expensive. You can wait and you can go and get yourself Scherzer around later, Rodon around later, Bieber, uh, you know, multiple rounds later. We talked about these guys many times. Freed, Manoa, Gosman, like they're going 30, 40 picks later. I don't know that the production is going to be that different overall. Yes, the strikeouts are going to be better for Strider. But when you factor in everything, I don't know that it's going to be that much greater, especially when you factor in the volume concerns. So I, I love Spencer Strider but I don't necessarily love taking him uh, in the third round. It's a huge thing, right? Uh, we don't really know where to price him because we haven't had to do it before. He's not somebody that we've ever had to look back on previous ADP data. We're kind of just winging it, <clears throat> which is what has to happen with these rookies who break out. But I don't know that we've exactly hit it on the mark here with Strider. Minimum pick for Spencer Strider, 16. That's that's a little, little crazy for me. Like the maximum, 66, but 16 is the minimum. And that's draft champions. That's factoring out all those gladiator formats, those weird drafts that are going on. That's uh, that's makes me really nervous. So I, I don't love him at that price. I really don't. Maybe he'll fall a little bit. Uh, you know, if you can get him somewhere in the 40s, maybe he falls to 50 perhaps, then I'm going to be really in on him. But at this point... Uh, I, I'd have to say that I'm out. I'm out at the price. Uh, as weird as it sounds, he he can be really elite. He might give you close to 20 wins with that same you know 38% strikeout rate. He might do that, but we're really looking only at one season's worth of work and not even a full season, uh, and to try and ex- project that he's going to just do this over 170 innings and there's going to be no bumps in the road. Uh, there are some safer options, and I'm unfortunately, because of the price, going to have to be out. And I hate having to be out because of the price. I hate when that happens because, you know, I, I mentioned it on Twitter earlier. Uh, I was talking about Hunter Green, about how I'm out because of the price. I love Hunter Green. I think Hunter Green is going to be an ace. He's going to be a stud, but he's just too expensive. And going on back to the hitter side, Bobby Witt Jr., same exact thing. Bobby Witt Jr. is a stud. He's just going it's like the eighth, seventh pick overall. So... As much as I'd love him, I'd love to have shares. I don't know that I'm going to have any. I'm likely not going to have any shares of Bobby Witt. Maybe with Strider, and I, I do have a Strider share because I was able to get him lower um, in that DC. Did I? I think I got Strider in that DC. Honestly, I forget the team now. I have to. I have to pull it up because I honestly forget. Um, and I am pretty ignorant with how to use uh, the NFBC page. Yeah, I did get Strider. Now, where did I get him in this draft? I'm honestly curious because I can't really remember. Let's go back. I think it was round. It wasn't like where his ADP is here. 
Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I got him at the 13th pick in round three. So I got Spencer Strider uh, as the 43rd pick off the board. Got him a little bit later than this uh, price. And granted, this was in Arizona. This was when still there's a lot of new data coming out. And we're not really sure how to price players. But I got him just at the end of round three. I think I'm feeling a little bit more confident uh, if you're if you're able to wait a, a little bit more even than that, like I think it's fine, but I, I'm personally trying to wait uh, as much as I can on pitching. Not, not maybe not as much as you can, but up until later in the top 100, I don't think you need to push these guys up. I really don't. So, uh, without trying to be too repetitive, those guys at the end of the top 100: uh, Manoa, Darvish, Freed. Gosman, Luis Castillo, lots of lots of value in them. Uh, but let's go on. We spent a lot of time on Spencer Strider. Tristan McKenzie is the next dude we're going to talk about here. His ADP coming into the year was 216. He finished as the 51st overall player on Yahoo, and his ADP is 95 heading into next season. I think he's also somebody who is probably a pretty decent value. I don't love Tristan McKenzie. Uh, I think that he is probably a little bit of an overperformer. This season, his expected numbers were a little bit higher. Uh, XERA 354, FIP 359, XFIP 377. I still really like him, but I think we're he's maybe a little bit generally overrated. Not that this price is so inflated. I think it's probably fine. Um, but his strikeout rate did go down. Granted, the walk rate went down as well. But, you know, we were kind of hoping that he was going to be a huge strikeout guy, especially after what we saw in short, in short span in uh, 2020. Six starts, but he was striking out 11.3 batters per nine innings, 33%. Then in 2021, 27%. This year, 25%. So the walk rate, really good getting that down, but the strikeouts are not really great. I trust the organization. I trust the team. I just don't think that we're going to see that many Ks from Tristan McKenzie. I think he can be fine. He's not some huge fireballer. He's averaging like 92 on the fastball. Pretty skinny guy. Maybe if he beef and beefs himself up a little bit, he can get some more um, miles per hour on himself. But I don't think we're, we're seeing too much more of an improvement here. I think this is probably about what McKenzie's going to be. Maybe he tinkers around uh, with the pitch mix a little bit. I think a slider needs to be thrown a lot less. If you look at the pitch values over on Fangraphs, fastball and curveball, really good pitches. Uh, the slider is not. And he actually threw the slider more this season than he did in 2021. He threw it more than he ever had, actually. It was 20% in 2020, 19% in 2021, and then he threw it 22% this year. I don't think he needs to be thrown it that much. Uh, and also an interesting thing is he's kind of cut the changeup out of his diet 10% in his first year, which granted only six starts, but he's throwing it 10% uh, last year, 1.4% of the time, and this year he's not throwing it at all. I'm not big on Tristan McKenzie. I'm really not a huge fan. I think it's fine to take him around pick 100 because I trust the team. Uh, I trust the organization. I like what they do. But I'm not, you know, when I talk about those guys who I, I really like in that range at the back half of the top 100, uh, Tristan McKenzie is not really among them as much as like I don't know. I, I like him fine, I guess. I'm not really too strong one way or another. I think he's okay, uh, but he's not somebody that I'd be reaching up too far for. Uh, they know what they're doing as an organization, and they're a team that's on the rise. Like They are continuously getting better and better, and you know it's funny because they don't spend a lot of money, but they're, they're a good team. So uh, I still feel, I don't know, I don't feel really that strongly either way, as, although I still feel a little bit torn at the same time. Like, uh, 
I don't know. I think that he's fine, but I, I don't think that he's going to ever be an ace. I think that he's just, he's fine. That's, that's pretty much it. He's, he's a fine pitcher. Uh, let's talk about his teammate, Shane Bieber. I like him a lot more, although he does come with some more risk, of course, uh, with shoulder trouble. Now, heading into the year, 27 was his ADP. He finished as the 53rd ranked player on Yahoo. And his ADP heading into next year is 56. I think that that's pretty reasonable. Now, there are shoulder concerns still, but he threw 200 innings this year. And his expected stats were pretty much in line with everything else. Uh, 288 ERA and then 351 XERA, but a 287 FIP, a 298 XFIP, and a 321 Sierra. A thing with him that is kind of sad is the strikeouts have gone down like a stupid amount. And I think we may have overestimated his strikeout number because of the short 2020 season. He struck out 14 batters per nine innings. Uh, he was up at 41% strikeout rate. I just don't think that that was really realistic uh, for a guy like Shane Bieber. He doesn't throw terribly hard, but he did that year. Uh, well, not even that was that hard, but harder for him. Uh, his first couple of years, averaging 93 on the fastball that year, over 94. And then in 2021, he was averaging just below 93. And this year, just above 91 on the fastball. So he's lost three clicks on it in only three years. I heard him referred to many times this year as fancy Zach Grinke, which I thought was pretty funny. Now, he's definitely better than Zach Grinke, specifically at this point. Maybe you want to make like an all-time argument. We'll do that another time, perhaps. Uh, Grinke's still better in the grand scheme of things, I think. But right now, obviously, uh, I would take Bieber. I'm just a little bit concerned here seeing the strikeouts and the velocity go down, like 41% strikeout rate in 2020, and then 33, and then 25. Now, the walks also have gone down. Uh, they went up briefly, and then they went down again. So it was 4.7% in his first couple of years. Then it was 7.1% in 2020, 8.1% in 2021, and then 4.6% this year. Really good still, uh, but, I mean, not even still. It was good, and then it was still fine, I guess. 8% is fine. It's about average, uh, but 4.6% is excellent. Giving you 200 innings is also excellent considering the troubles now. Should we be expecting trouble down the road once there's a shoulder problem? Likely, yes. I don't really have too much of a problem taking him here, but I think that you know that, that value range for me is more between pick 60 or so and like 70. Uh, that's that's generally not even not even 70. It goes to like about 80, I guess. And you could you can even stretch it farther. There's a couple of guys sprinkled in there up until 100, uh, but that that bargain range for me is probably about like I don't know just beyond Bieber. And then going into about, I guess you could say, pick 80 in terms of your starting pitchers. So I like him. I wouldn't be pushing him too far up past this. I think this is probably about what we can expect best case from him. Uh, Steamer hasn't projected for 203 innings. We did talk about this when we went over the Steamer projections. I don't think there's any basis for them to project that. I think that that's really overshooting it. I think, and especially because it's a projection, you're talking. 50th percentile outcome, that's probably, that's definitely like best case scenario outcome for him. So I'm not taking him with the expectation that he's going to give you 200 innings. I think, honestly, if I had to choose one or the other, he's probably more in the fade column. I don't have a huge problem with taking him, but I, I think he's being taken about where his ceiling is. So not not a huge advocate for drafting him here. Overall, uh, it's been a theme throughout these last couple of days. I'm not taking pitchers early. I don't think many people are. 
I think that you can make an argument for it, I guess, but I don't see the need to take really many risks with going for early pitchers, especially some of the names that are going early. There's not a ton of risk, maybe, but there are some guys like Strider. Uh, maybe he goes 130 innings. Maybe he goes 100 innings. Maybe who, who we don't even know. We have no idea what to expect out of him, and he's being taken by a lot of people as their SP1. Uh, I was comfortable taking Strider where I did in that league because I have a couple other pitchers. I have Gosman, and I forget who the other one is now. Corbin Burns, I think. I exited out of the page. Um, God, I haven't really kept such a close watch on this draft. Let me see. I had, yeah, Corbin Burns, Strider, and Gosman. So he was my second pitcher, and then I have Gosman as a buffer as well. If Strider's not quite as good as I'm hoping, I still have you know, a lot of, a lot of solid arms there. So, and even farther down the board, I think I have a good roster as well. I have Lance McCullers. Uh, I have Tyler McGill. I have Alex Cobb, Edward Cabrera. I think I have a pretty decent staff. So, uh, you know, taking Strider where I did end of the third, looking back on it, I'd probably do it again, but I think it's only because he's my second pitcher. A lot of people will take Strider as their ace and I don't know that I would. And he's probably, of all the guys today, the biggest fade, unfortunately. Like I, I hate even doing it. But at the price, I'm just I'm just really not a huge fan of him. So I will leave you guys there. I really appreciate you guys continuing to check out the show. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're just somebody who perhaps just found the show uh, randomly looking at iTunes or wherever, uh, hit the subscribe button. You get them every single day. We do the Monday through Friday here. Sportsethos.com, they also get posted out on there. And at Ethos Fantasy BB, that is the account where these shows get posted. All the different articles and write-ups that we do, that I do on Twitter, they get shared out over there. So please do follow it. You can follow my personal account, at JoeOrico99. And yeah, pretty much Sportsethos.com is the place to be checking out right now because of basketball. If you're into fantasy basketball, you need to be checking it out. The site... The podcast, of course, Fantasy NBA Today. The blurb feed, at Ethos Fantasy BK. Uh, it's really the place to be. So, again, I uh, appreciate you guys checking us out. We will be here again tomorrow looking at some more pitchers. We'll probably continue with pitchers. Honestly, we might do the whole month of December looking at pitchers. There are a lot to go over. But until tomorrow, guys, uh, enjoy your evening and take care. Cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.